0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and that makes this another in-person, the first ever episode 23 of Cloud Control. Welcome back to my house, Kate.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here. I was actually here yesterday, too. Um, so you know, <laughs>
0: just yeah, some so behind the scenes so, okay. stuff
1: fun we just watched some <laughs> yellow jackets you know chill. it's to get to. you know what
0: yellow jackets and podcast night always
1: Always a golden. Always night. a good time. I, I will say. say though, every time I come here, I realize that I'm really short. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's a weird thing, right? Like, you just don't really think about yourself as short on your day to day life because that's that's normal. And then we do this, and I see the difference on the screen, and I go, "Wow, do I just <laughs> do I just look like this to everyone? <laughs> like, what the? It's the
0: podcast, is. you know. They say the camera adds weight. They say the camera also makes certain people look shorter. That's. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's I've true. heard that before. Some may <laughs> say
0: that that's the truth. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. You know what? We're going to get straight into it today. Um, something fun is going to happen in just a few seconds. We're going to uh, give our impressions of the Armored Core 6 trailer that just came out, the gameplay trailer a couple of days ago from PlayStation. So is this the perfect game of the mix for Kate and I? We'll wait and see, but we'll, we'll uh, talk about that in just a second. I've also been playing po- uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, which is pretty fun, and I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that. And then we also played a game from our past, Back from the day of uh, of what, like 1999 or 2000, Mm -hmm. Pokemon Stadium came to the Nintendo 64 online and we obviously had to play it and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, But like I said, we're starting off with Armored Core 6 and so I'm just going to put the trailer on here for anyone watching on the video side, but there was a gameplay trailer a couple days ago. Uh, We both watched it. We got some feelings on it, but Kate, as the FromSoft person, (laughs) I have to let you talk first. Uh, where do you want to start with Armored Core 6?
1: I mean, this is a weird one because, like, you know, as I everyone's probably sick of hearing, like, I am our from South resident. Like, I was just telling James, like, oh, man, I really want to play Bloodborne again. Like, I've got all these problems, but I've never... I've played... got all these
0: problems.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I don't lie on this podcast. Um, but I've never played an Armored Core game, and I will tell you, if Armored Armor Core 6 never came out. I would go to my grave probably never having played an Armored Core game. Like, <laughs> the mech stuff doesn't interest me. Like, you know, there isn't really a recent game. So if you see any gameplay footage, especially not knowing how the game works, it just sort of looks like mechs flying around and, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't appeal to me in any way. And then they came out, okay, Armored Core 6. I'm like, fuck, okay, here we go. I got to play this. <laughs> but this gameplay trailer in addition to some of the breakdowns I've seen um, people kind of explaining like what some of the footage might be showing us aside from just being cinematic and looking Mm -hmm. cool I actually am I don't know it's may I don't know how much is genuine and how much is like a Stockholm syndrome kind of experience but like I'm kind of starting to get excited for this game
0: (laughs) so like if you were to say like what percentage of your excitement is the FromSoft brand versus what you're seeing and the breakdown um, of it. So... I'm just curious.
1: I mean, it's powered by the from stuff. Sure. Right? Like if sure. someone else a, is making... But that's
0: valid, right? Like if, yeah. if a studio you likes making a game, even if it's something that you're not traditionally into, you're still going to pay attention exactly.
1: to Exactly. And you know what? They've done so many kind of varied things now. And I think their design, like approach to game design is so interesting that like there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I wish it was another Souls game instead. But there's a part of me that's like, I'm kind of interested to see what their take on a different genre is and that might you know like enhance Mm -hmm. you know maybe I maybe I find something I do like that I didn't know I liked or maybe it's like it just works. So yeah. Um, yeah. so there's a part of me that is kind of glad it's something so different just because I have an excuse to kind of step out of my comfort zone a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so for me, I would say, so for Armor Core, I've played Armor Core 4. I used to have that back on the 360. Did I play a lot of it or was I very good at it or did I understand how it worked perfectly? Absolutely not. But I think mechs are cool and that's why I'm like, at first <laughs> glance, I was interested in this game, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, I think the, the a couple things about this game that stand out a lot to me is that my instant worry with this game for as cool as the like the customization is, like I love that the idea of that, like games like custom robo, like I loved making my robo love, and customizing, love
1: customizing it. Customizing my know? robo.
0: <laughs> but like for, for this game, I'm just like, okay, how in the weeds is it gonna be in terms of customization? Like I like customizing, but you know, in games like Forza where you can just get in there to right. such an extent, and at to a certain point, I'm just like, okay, how much do we need? I hope that it's like not just menus and menus and menus and more about the action. But that being said, okay, well, the video stopped. <laughs> I think overall, like, what's got me excited for this game in terms of it being from FromSoft is that the the boss fights are the, some of the strongest stuff in Souls to me. And mm-hmm. this game clearly is going to be set up differently than, like, a traditional soul setup. But if they're able to translate a lot of that boss design over to something like this, I think that bodes really well.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other
0: thing that was really encouraging, and this is from that uh, gameplay breakdown that you sent over, yeah. um, was that there was a quote from the game director saying that they wanted to be very intentional about the different stats and tweaks to mm-hmm. actually be like noticeable in how the game feels and controls versus just like numbers on a slider of how much yeah. damage you're doing and stuff. And that's so important to me because I feel like so many times In games where there's this level of customization it really just does boil down to like what the numbers end up being and i'm really curious to see what that means and like how they translate that into like so if i was to like come over to your place and like pilot Mm -hmm. your armored core like Mm -hmm. would i instantly be able to tell like oh we're using the same part here but like yours feels so different than mine because of like x y and z that you've done or is it just like you get to the end of the map five seconds faster because your speed stat is like too higher you know, like, what does that feel like? That's what I'm right. interested in to see. Yeah,
1: and I, I think I'm confident that they're going to do a good job with that because from what I understand and from some of the research I've been doing, that that's, like, the main thing that Armored Core has been known for, just as a series in general, um, is that the customization is supposed to be always really good. Like, I think part of it is just that, like, an insane amount of options, but also it's supposed to be very good in terms of, like, it does feel different and i guess like the legs are important like you can have tank like Mm -hmm. we even saw in this trailer like you get the tank treads and then you're sort of like you know you just like zoom in and smash into people and then you get various legs that are a bit more like agile and you get those like four like style like the quad legs the quad legs and they let you like kind of like hover in air a little bit better Mm -hmm. and then my favorite ones from the trailer because obviously i'm gonna do the light fast build is um the like kind of the back knees mm-hmm. because he can like hop sideways and like what looks to be like the best dodge perhaps? Mm-hmm. So I think like that alone like just changing the legs seems to really change how your mech is gonna pilot. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have like you know like the four different like the front and the back on each side for like your weapons, and those seem to be like there's melee stuff, there's range stuff, there's probably like you probably maybe want a combination of both or you can go mm-hmm. like just one or the other. Like maybe the tank guy just goes melee and just like ri- drives over you and like slashes <laughs> around. Like, But it, it seems like there's a lot of variety. And so armor Cords apparently known for that in general. And then I would say like that is something that they prioritized a lot in Elden Ring as well. Mm-hmm. So like the amount of like build variety and how unique a lot of the weapons were and all the weapon arts and being able to mix and match Um, that was something that they really prioritized. So I I think coming from both angles of like what the series was known for and then also like what they've kind of been like working on in the past and they can bring from their more recent non-armor card titles, like it's sort of a match made Mm -hmm. in heaven. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm thinking of this too from like a design philosophy, right? So something that we do like in my work is we do something like diverge and converge. Like you have an idea then you diverge into as many possibilities as you can and then you like zone those back into another focus. And it's interesting because like for this, I wonder like how many of the ideas that they had for combat in this armored core and the fact that you have so many more weapons available. Mm -hmm. Whereas in like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure there's exceptions, but traditionally in Souls, you're like, your arsenal is much smaller than it seems to be like the variety you have here. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there's any like, you know, have they been sitting on a certain boss design for like a couple of Souls games that they're like, oh, this is so cool, but like, we can't implement it with like the lack of weapons or something mm-hmm. like that. And then like, how are those ideas going to be like input into this game? And then conversely, with the different kind of combat they're using for this, what can they take away for learnings for like when they return to a Souls title? Mm-hmm. And I think that's also interesting because they're definitely going to learn, you know, something from this and apply it to the next one of those games. Yeah.
1: Too. So I think that's the thing, right, is they made it very clear this is not a Souls game. This is an armor core game. But they've also said that we are taking things that we've learned from our previous games and, like, enhancing Armored Core based on, like, you know, what we, what we know how to do, what works, like, we've, brand, you know, we've, we've expanded as a studio and we want to draw from everything we've done. Which sounds like, to me, the perfect approach to take it because, like, you want to be um, committed to having that Armored Core identity, but, like, you just made, like, six phenomenal games. Like, you're not going to completely ignore that. Um, and I want to harken back to the boss thing that you said. And I think I really see souls the most in some of those bosses. Like there's that big guy that has those big, like windy up things mm-hmm. and then he slams them down. And there's another one that kind of seems like it does a very, like, um, like a, he flies at you and tries to like impale you on his spear. That reminded
0: me of that one boss from, uh, Metroid.
1: The, oh, from Metroid. From Metroid,
0: the one, mm-hmm. Metroid Dread, you know, that last, that kind of like guy that comes down. I don't know. There's an attack that
1: looks similar. Yeah, yeah, okay. But it reminds me of exactly the guy from Elden Ring, too. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen that move countless times. <laughs> so I think that reminds me like cuz I think in the old armor core games like it's it's sort of more of like a shooter and less about like moving as far as mm-hmm. Like I the think there's less like emphasis on
0: dodging and like right. less emphasis on like parrying and blocking. It's more just like you're gonna try and da- out damage the other yeah. person. Yeah.
1: Whereas I think in this, it really seems like those are kind of like the bread and butter, like telegraphed attacks that mm-hmm. you then dodge and get out of the way in a soul's kind of style, uh, which is I think really interesting. Like that appeals to me. I like that mix and match. Like you know, it doesn't have to be a souls game, but I always appreciate that in any like action game I play because it's really interactive. I feel like I'm like dancing with the boss instead of just like shooting at them and like hoping I don't die first. <laughs> Which maybe I'm bad at shooters and they shouldn't mm-hmm. be like that, but um Well
0: that's an interesting point though, because this game doesn't have to be a shooter, and of course you can use like melee weapons too. And that's something I really yeah. wanted to ask you. We talked about the legs, but like out of everything you've seen, like are you like wanting to use a certain kind of weapon?
1: So I am, what's interesting about this game is I am almost taking as much inspiration or like excitement from having played Returnal as I am from a FromSoft game. Because when I saw the gameplay trailer, that was actually the first place my Mm. mind went because Returnal is a shooter. Um, It's kind of like a bullet hell shooter, but it. Also made me feel kind of soulsy in a way. Like it's just kind of got that like same kind of atmosphere and difficulty, and just like the way it felt kind of reminded me a little bit of souls. And so I see this, I'm like, well, it's like a mech shooter and it's soulsy. I'm like, hmm. And what I really liked about Returnal, and it reminds me of here, is you got a really good dodge. Like I think it's called like a side booster, from what I understand. Mm. And so is that where you go like really quickly to the side or you really quickly like dash around? And the Returnal dash reminds me of that. Something like, I really liked Returnal because like you had um, obviously the guns, but you could do some kind of like shorter range stuff and you were like, um more powerful up close often than you were far away and you also got a really cool like laser sword that was a strong melee option so i kind of like to do like a close quarters like a little bit of guns and then also the sword and Mm something like well if i really like that in returnal i could maybe build a mech that would maybe feel like that really agile with the dodging and then like shoot your cool plasma laser and then like use the sword and ooh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I I don't know for whatever reason my envisionment of what I want to do in this game is I just want to build the biggest bulkiest <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker like around I want to use those big yeah. tank tread wheels and just have yeah. like armor out the ass and like just a couple big guns and just drive around and just try it. You know, like that just sounds fun. I love
1: it. That sounds funny. But like, you know, people are going to do like ridiculous builds like that. And I think it's a testament to like, if any, if you could make that work and then I can have my like Mm -hmm, exact mm -hmm. opposite build and we're both like successful at the game. Like, yeah, I think that's a good sign. I
0: think that's like my biggest question still remaining for this game is like exactly how much variety is there in the mechs like we've seen a good amount of variety in this Mm -hmm. trailer like you know there's lots of different weapons there's missiles and lasers and swords and you know uh, and then there's all the legs we talked about and all this stuff but at the end of the day like how many of the guns are just like varieties on a different kind of missile and like instead of six weak missiles it's like two stronger ones or something Mm -hmm. you know like how many varieties of weapons are there i think it's going to be a lot like even just judging on souls like there's quite a variety of weapons Mm -hmm. but like I just feel like there's such an opportunity because of the futuristic setting, because of like the robot thing, you can really go all out with some, you know, really unique ideas. And I hope that they capitalize on that.
1: I think they will. Like FromSoft always puts kind of like wacky, silly, crazy stuff. Like I'm calling it right now, the pizza cutter is gonna make a return. Like the whirly gig um, and it's also an elden ring so they've already brought it back once they're gonna have like this dumbass like saw you mm. rev up and just like walk into people with the sauce spinning um because that's a classic And like i'm gonna put that on my mech that's hilarious but i think they're there i would be surprised if they didn't put a lot of like kind of like weird creative stuff mm. um and i would also say too like this kind of goes back to the bosses as well but you fight like kind of like looks like you fight a lot of other mechs and i guarantee is the fromsoft style any of those parts on those mechs, you can have too. So like that Mm -hmm. guy who's like the big chain whip in the Mm -hmm. trailer who comes and whips you, like, or like the electric whip, like I guarantee like you can get an electric whip at some point because those like mirror matches and they play by your rules is like such a saw staple. And and it
0: lends itself so well to the subject matter of this game. Exactly. Because you're going to be like going back to the shop and buying new parts like, oh, that guy had that part, you know, like how can I customize it but put it on my mech? Right, like or maybe kind of you things. like
1: scavenge it off of his neck his yeah. once you defeat him like there's like that
0: would be cool or like if one of your mm-hmm. what if in the in like the you're out in the story or like whatever it ends up being and you know you're in a fight and then oh but like the sword i'm carrying is like busted like someone broke it so you like attach it and you go scavenge something mm-hmm. and attach it to your arm slot like that would be so that cool, would be cool. So if you could do that kind of thing
1: mm-hmm. i don't know if
0: that's true or not and, you know, the other thing I was thinking of with this game, too, is how fun would it be to do, like, PvP if it worked really well? Especially yeah. if, like, what if you could do, like, two-on-two matches? And it's, that like, my big-ass tank mech, and then you're, like, doing your <laughs> quick <fast>. thing around?
1: <laughs> It'd be like in Battle Bots where they have, like, the main bot and then a tiny little one yeah. that's just kind of annoying, and I would just be the annoying
0: one. Because if that ends up being a thing, we have to do two-on-two. That would be fun.
1: I, it has been confirmed that there is PvP. There is an arena yeah. mode. Um, I think that has been confirmed, so... I don't know if there's like multiple yeah. players or if it's a 1v1, but that could be cool. The other things I've heard that I found today, which are really fucking cool, is there's like a posture system, kind of. So like if you do enough damage, you break them, which is like definitely straight out of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Out of, straight out of Final Fantasy <laughs> VII. That's right. Big inspiration there. I think you can even get Cloud's haircut I think you on can do Mac. it in Sekiro as well, though, Pete. I don't know if you
0: knew about that, but no, I'm never, just oh. so you know
1: who <laughs> Sekiro who um yeah it's actually the same um apparently the guy who designed the combat so yeah. Sekiro is working on this so and
0: that is a detractor for me just because I found it very precise and difficult <laughs> it's
1: okay I don't think armor core will be a rhythm game so I don't think you have That's to worry true. about That's it true. <laughs> but just some of those systems coming out so we've got that um yeah I think the only thing I gotta say on it is I think the story is gonna be absolutely fucking awesome um mm. it's very like you know, they're like, let the cinders burn or something. It's like, ah, the Dark Souls. Um...
0: <laughs> See, I, okay, I wanted to know, like, they obviously threw that in there to yeah, get all the Dark Souls Dark people Souls to go rabid and, yeah, like,
1: 100%. you know, lose their
0: mind and go feral. Um, but, like, do you think there's going to be a lot of, or any kind of soul stuff in here? Or is it just going to be more of, like, a... Because, you know what, for one thing, like, it was, for as cool as, like, really heavily referencing it is, in my opinion, also, it's kind of, like it would be sort of weak of them to do too much of it because to me it's saying like, hey, here's our secondary brand and this isn't going to be good enough unless we pander to the Dark Souls people. Yeah. Like let it stand on its own.
1: <laughs> so so here's my take on it and this is obviously before having played the game, um, but I, I think it's not going to be presented like a Soft story, right? Yeah. Like it's not a world you're exploring from what I understand you do go mission to mission. Yeah. And there's that person on the comms with you talking to you. I think so it's going to be a lot more like... Um, I think linear, but, like, you get choices on to like, which mission to go. So you, you have some agency. Yeah, and I'd
0: imagine maybe you get, like, comms conversations when you go back yeah, to the hub and, like, you can chat with people. Yeah, or... and
1: you probably get to make some de- decisions that change the overall story, uh, maybe what characters, like, you align with and and mm-hmm. whatever. So, um, but I, I think very much it's going to be more of, like, a kind of, like, traditional narrative style where there's, like, more cutscenes and more, like, discussion in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be less of, like, I don't think it's going to be reading item descriptions and piecing it all together yourself yeah so i don't think it's going to be from soft in that way but i do think the subject material sounds a little bit soulsy in terms of like you're this mercenary that got hired and brought in so a you're always like kind of an outsider Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it's kind of got this like there's a resource i i believe that's been like basically like refined too much and there's not enough of it and so Mm. now it's like the world is kind of getting corrupted by it and like from stuff always kinds to be kinds of tends to to be on like a a kind of like an apocalyptic kind of end of the world sort of setting so i think we might see something similar to that here but i think it's going to feel a lot different in terms of presentation so
0: yeah that's an interesting take because for me whenever it's like sci-fi kind of like they're talking about like corporations and all that stuff when mm-hmm. they talk about like those type of things like this resource is running out to me they're talking about like we got a corporate greed like yep. it's not it, that's where they're going with like that yeah, to me
1: and i think that's definitely going to be an element of it but i think it's like instead of my guess is that instead of it being like it we got to take down this big evil like ceo it's more of like yeah, everything's kind of falling apart, and like it was humanity's greed, unless mm-hmm. like here's the face, the evil corporation, and more right. like the like, you know, like it was all of our doing as a as a species because you know humanity mm-hmm. is corrupt and all of those kind of themes. So yeah. I could be completely like assuming <laughs> incorrectly, but that's the kind of feeling I get from it. Even some of the visuals are very like you know that like red like bleeding it red looks sky so and stuff. Cool. Right? That like,
0: looks so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited for this game. I will say, like, I, I'm definitely more excited than I was prior to seeing this gameplay. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like, I, I think this is could have a chance of being quite a popular game for both yeah, of us. Yeah,
1: I think we were saying before this, we're doing in two episodes time on twenty five. We're doing another of our top twenty five combined games. So with Armored Core not being out till August, uh, obviously not going to make the cut. But genuinely, uh, with the combined um, like preferences it's pulling from from both of us, Mm -hmm. this has like potential to be a dark horse to like win next year somehow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you never know. You never know. That's why you got to tune into the show. You know, Mm -hmm. never know what might happen. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I think it's time to move to our second topic, which is of course Shovel Knight pocket dungeon a game which i've been playing the last little bit because it was on sale and i felt like i basically stole it from nintendo on my (laughs) switch so i (laughs) I bought this game and it's super fun like as you know i think if you've been listening to the show for a decent amount of time like shovel knight's one of my favorite indies and like i i think he's just such a cool character i love the universe i love how like bright and vibrant it always is and it's just so to me at least it's iconic like these are all the same enemies they use in every Mm -hmm. game for different functions and like You know just the graphics and like the the music and everything and all of that shovel knight goodness is in this game as well but shovel knight of course is like a 2d platformer and this game is a like top-down puzzle game but it's also a roguelike and it's also you know i would say it's got a decent amount of sort of like an action puzzler in a way like you're moving your character around the screen and whatnot but basically a bunch of there's two phases to the game right and um the first one is like you're in this town i'll explain it quickly just because most of the game is the puzzle so there's like a hub world you're in um there's a store because as it's a roguelite you can kind of use the money you use during your runs to buy new stuff all that classic stuff but you can also poke around you know there's like a few characters and that's really where the shovel knightness of this shows through because all the characters talk to you and they have like that moving text that articulates like you can tell this person was scared when they were saying (laughs) their thing because they're shaking you know it's like the paper mario classic way they they do that kind of text the way the ghosts
1: go ooh, and then it like waves up and down like
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's <laughs> yeah. The, it adds to that charm, right? And and the mm-hmm. town is really cool. There's like, there's a new character for this game called Puzzle Knight. And you're kind of in this pocket dungeon helping him out. That's that's something else about Shovel Knight in general, which I think is so great is like the, the characters themselves are, you know, they're just yeah. so well thought out. I think. The
1: whole presentation too, like the way it's packaged, the art, like the mm-hmm. music, like everything is just so like wholesome about shovel knight
0: yeah it reminds me you know a lot of like the the net navvies from mega man battle network how they're all kind of their own individual character Mm -hmm. type of thing (laughs) but anyway yeah that's kind of all there is to do at the in the hub world the real game of course is the puzzles and so there's basically just blocks that drop from the top you know there's like 10 rows whatever like tetris the blocks come down but in Mm -hmm. this game there's essentially like four different types of blocks that can fall you can have enemies you can have just regular like rocks and stones you can have um potions and then you can also have like special stuff like keys and chests and the like a door where you can leave the level and whatnot and you basically just have to survive and clear the board and then uh you know you have to bump into things to interact so if you bump into an enemy you'll both damage each other for the amount of attack you have and then if you have any special effects they get added on if you bump into a potion you'll use it to heal yourself for two health if you bump into a key you can use it to open a chest like all these things feed into each other but it becomes like a a puzzle of how you're going to navigate around the board because you always have to make sure, like, right if I if I head into this group of enemies, am I going to have enough health to to take them out and like make mm-hmm. it up to this potion, or will I die and like lose all my stuff? You know. And if you die on the board, you lose all your gold you're you holding. You have to make your life. way back. You die in real life. <laughs> and they, yeah, the game is very punishing. You could. Say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's just it gets really complicated. Like, it's not the most the most like robust game in the world i guess but the way that everything interacts is pretty entertaining you know and what you know once you make it to the store you'll pick up or you open the chest you'll find different power-ups so you can have like well your attack will go up or you'll have an ice weapon so now when you hit an enemy it'll freeze and then it won't damage you back when you hit it and so you can pair these things together and on top of that the characters also have their own abilities as well so shovel knight like if when you attack the enemies this is a crucial part i haven't explained to everybody when, when things are on the board, so say there's like two skeleton guys next to each other. If you attack one of them, it'll hit both because they're chained together. Similarly, if you touch two potions that are touching each other, you'll you'll consume both of them. So you're kind of trying to also set the board up to chain these things together.
1: Right. Kind of like the classic like match sort of exactly. board that it's set up. It, as to emulate. yeah, Exactly.
0: And so that's where like you really get a lot of variation with the characters because like Shovel Knight is the main like the guy you start off with and what he, he, his special thing is when you kill an enemy anything in that chain that's touching that enemy takes an extra damage. So he's really good at clearing like large quantities if you can set that up. Mm-hmm. And then the next guy you unlock is King Knight and what he can do is uh, he has like a special dash attack where you can dash like longer distances and for every square you move you'll do extra damage to the enemy you touch, but you'll take double from it as well. Mm. So you can do a lot of damage to like big things if you have room, but if you get boxed in with him, then it's like you you have no special ability and you're kind of screwed. So it it really changes up how you play. Um, There's a few other, I won't tell you all the characters, but the one I just unlocked recently is very interesting. Uh, Specter Knight. He's my favorite, He's by so the way. So cool. But so his thing is that potions actually damage him, and he he heals by killing enemies on the board. So you have to play very aggressively and actually avoid the potions. Um, so it's it's just like it's completely changed how the game plays. And although it's not like a long game, I think you can actually if you do well enough, you can beat a run in like you know forty five minutes or an hour. But it comes down to like okay, you're gonna do it with all the characters um there's and then make sure you unlock everything and there's this other portal you run into sometimes where this this guy's just in there and he's like hey do you have the three keys i need he's like "Hey," you know he just shows up and he's like it "Sounds
1: a little creepy. i need these
0: keys and i'm and i don't know what the keys are i've never seen one but mm-hmm. presumptively you know there's something i can unlock that further in the game and, and stuff like that
1: yeah this strikes me as the kind of game that would have like so many like hidden unlockables and like secrets and like things to uncover because like it just is, like, that's just kind of what you expect from these games in the first place, but also, like, I feel like Shovel Knight is, like, totally the IP to have, mm. like, a bunch of, like, secrets and stuff. Yeah,
0: and there is, like, when when you go back to the main world, um, we're in here now, actually, for anyone watching, you can actually, like hit against the things that are in the world as well so like if you're watching this little pink volcano that's glowing in the corner there or like that tree stump mm-hmm. if you whack into that it actually opens up and there's like a hidden passage behind there and there's another character that's like oh hey you shouldn't have found me and like <laughs> has a little thing he says something that's like oh maybe later in the game i'll find you know something i can interact right. with him with um so i just think this is a great little you know um expansion of what shovel knight is um, it's a fun puzzle game. Is it by any means the best puzzle game I've ever played? No. But, uh, you know, it's very fun. And I'm interested just to unlock the remainder of the characters yeah. and see how they how they behave and, and stuff yeah,
1: like that. Yeah, I, I think for me, like, this is kind of like the ultimate, like, replayability kind of game. Because, like, first of all, like, a lot of what roguelikes are are predicated on is that you want to keep unlocking stuff. Like, the second you've unlocked everything in a roguelike, it's like, okay, I'm kind of done. Like, there's that's, like, the main motivation to keep going at least like that's how I see it and um this obviously has a lot of really cool things to unlock both in terms of like tangible stuff you use in the game and then also like all the extra stuff outside in the world the characters Mm. um and then also like because of the way the levels are generated it seems like you kind of like you have a strategy but it's never going to play out exactly the same way like no you're going to get boxed into different corners or you're going to be like you know in a weird spot or like there's gonna be a key that you want to get that's across from where you are but you got to figure out your path to it so like it's not overly complicated in the sense that you get like bogged down in it but it's also like seems like it would stay very like fresh and like easy to keep playing for a long period of time which like i think that's like kind of key to the success of a roguelike it like having that balance of like It's fun and engaging, but not too complicated. And then, like, you're constantly getting stuff and, like...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think my only thing with the... I think it's a bit light on the roguelite element of this game. Like, Mm -hmm. there is the shop. You can buy stuff for the next run. But compared to other roguelikes... I remember... What's that one we played? Dreamscaper?
1: Dreamscaper. Was that last
0: last year or whatever we played that? We played a few over the podcast. But I feel like in comparison to those, like, you... The, the frequency with which you unlock new stuff is a lot slower in this mm. game. Like the shop just doesn't have as much variety. The items in the shop to, like, to unlock them are also far more expensive and it's mm. taken me quite a while to like accumulate the gold. Uh, so uh, that's one thing it's like definitely not like if you're looking for a roguelite and you're like really wanting to unlock and get that dopamine of like, mm-hmm. you know, constantly unlocking things and getting new, this isn't what that right. this is. But this is definitely like more of a stronger puzzle game with sort of some of that incorporated. Okay,
1: so it's like puzzle first, Mm roguelite second. Yeah. Right, it's no Vampire Survive, (laughs) but it is like a good puzzle game. (laughs) Exactly.
0: But yeah, good game. I would totally recommend it, especially if you can get it on the sale. Uh, I recommend all Shovel Knight if you can get it, even at full price, personally. But um, anyway, I think it's time for us to talk about Pokemon Stadium, Kate, (laughs) a game which I did not bring gameplay up on YouTube. So we're going to just cover this up quickly. And uh, yeah, anyway, maybe you should get started on our experience with Pokemon Stadium.
1: Right. Very exciting. So this of the game. I don't think we ever owned Pokémon Stadium back in the day, but we played a lot of it. I think we had some friends who owned it, and then we also like just like would rent it. Yeah. We rented it probably enough times that if we could it, if we had just bought it, it would have been cheaper. That's <laughs> yeah. probably the case. Um but man, I was so excited to get back into this, and my initial thought to replaying some Pokémon Stadium was that like it looks and plays exactly how I remember it. Like so many times you go back to this game that you haven't touched in like 20 years and you're like, you, you know, you remember it differently. You're like, oh, I didn't realize how slow it was. Or like, oh, wow, this doesn't look as good as I remember. Or, like, you know, you have all these things that are like, you that are like not quite accurate. But this game is like, picture perfect to what i remember pokemon stadium as and i've got a horrible memory like i said at the top of the show i've got a lot of problems and that's one of them that's one of them but i like all of that resource was allocated to the perfect memory of pokemon stadium
0: yeah (laughs) this game is freakishly similar to how i remember it too which is weird to say like it's just so iconic, the the UI of it, like how there's the blue and the green menu yeah, for the Pokemon. And like
1: choosing the buttons, it's like A, B, and then like the C mm-hmm. buttons. Yeah,
0: like. very iconic. But you know, I, I guess what stuck out to me the most from playing this, um, obviously everyone, like, it's just like a Pokemon battle simulator. For, and for those listening that never played it back in the day, it, it was, first of all, just so amazing to see these Pokemon in 3D when it first mm-hmm. came out. Because you got to remember, we were playing like, pokemon gold and silver at that time Mm -hmm. and like anything close to this level of 3d was just unheard of Um, so it was Mm -hmm. magic but even beyond that like the 3d animation in this game obviously is graphically dated but it was really impressive to go back and watch even in comparison with having played like scarlet and violet earlier this year like just the dynamic kind of animations that each of the pokemon have when they're performing their moves like it makes sense where they like shoot the beams from and like how they move when they attack it's does a really good job yeah.
1: and they all have so much personality like this is so much love and care gone into this one right like jigglypuff and the idols like up floating around and like you know Eken's like sways like a snake and they all have like not only just like idol animations but they all have animations for when they get hit like sand true i always remember like he kind of goes back on one foot and like shakes mm-hmm. his hands to balance himself and then like and then he like lands back down and it's just they all feel so unique like you feel like they are a kind of like actual characters and not just like a species when they're up in this game
0: yeah like they're moving with emotion like Mm -hmm. or like you can see like they'll take a hit and they'll kind of be like oh and they'll like fall down and then gather themselves and come back Mm -hmm. like you said like it is pretty cool and and i think i guess part of it too is like there's there was only 150 pokemon back then yeah i mean obviously that's not an excuse not to do it in the new games but i think it's a factor that enabled it to be done Mm -hmm. you know so well in in this game um but it w- it was fun to go through, like we went through, or I guess you joined me for part of it, but we mm-hmm. did part of the Gym Leader Challenge. And I know a yeah. big thing for back in the day was you could connect your Game Boy in and import your Pokemon team from your game and like see what they look like battling in 3D. That's something we never did. And w- if you don't do that option, what you get to do is select from like rental Pokemon. So you want to go take on the Elite Four, you want to go take on the gym, you know, pick from this list of Pokemon here they all are here's their moves like which six do you want and that whole process of like going through the list and like okay well you know here's blastoise he's got some shitty moves like i could pick war turtle he's got like surf and it's way better but he's weaker like which do i want that Mm -hmm. whole thing is just super fun and like you know in this game too you don't bring your whole team you just pick three so you you bring your team and then you're going through you're like right this person has these pokemon like what am i gonna bring yeah it's fun
1: i think that's one of my favorite parts of the game is that like the secondary selection. So you bring your full team of six, yeah, and then you kinda like get matched up against the trainer. You see their six Pokemon and you see yours and then you choose them. And I always distinctly remember like, the way you choose them is like the buttons, so like the C button or like A or B, and I always remember thinking like that was fun, which is a weird mm-hmm. thing to find fun. Is like, ooh, up on the C button is like Baldus, so I'm gonna pick him. um But it was like a fun mind game. You'd be like, oh, I see they've got like two water Pokemon, so like maybe I'll bring my electric, but then maybe they'll think I'll bring my electric, and they'll yeah. bring their ground type, <laughs> and like there was like actually a surprising amount of like strategy slash like mind games as to like which three you actually brought and like which order you put them in right it's mm-hmm. like like we played a match and we played like with <laughs> just we just randomized which pokemon we got we just used a number generator and those were six and i remember like i strategically like, kind of as a joke but also sort of I was like i'm gonna put ratatap first because like that's pretty neutral and you'll never expect i'm gonna start mm. with ratatap but like it is genuinely kind of like a consideration that you don't normally get in like i as far as i know any other pokemon game
0: uh well you if you battle on the competitive you only get to bring four of the six so you do get to pick like if you were to play in that format but generally no like not in the game in
1: terms of like yeah like the actual like not in the game not not against a real person anyway yeah
0: no exactly and for what it's worth too like the ai is actually reasonably smart you know they'll switch their pokemon out if they've got a bad matchup and aside from like a few very you know, specific cases that never happens in the mainline games.
1: Mm-hmm. Just
0: the feather in this game's hat. Um, also, mini game mode is
1: wow. a thing. I mean, come on, that's the real game mode, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. Actually, after playing some of those the other night, I might argue <laughs> that maybe we're remembering them to be a little better than they actually are. <laughs>
1: um, okay, let's all just off the top get it out of the way. Agree that Run Ratata Run is the best game in the playground. It is. Followed it is. up by the hardened rock one.
0: Yeah, and then third would be uh, the sushi go-round. Yeah, sushi
1: go-round is great too.
0: <laughs> I think the rest of them are just variations of pressing A. Or, yeah,
1: you know. there's a lot of button mashing, mashing games, which... um. Oh, you know what else is good too is the drowsy one. We mm-hmm. I didn't remember that game and I don't think we really played it much for whatever no. reason. It didn't but look
0: very nice. It, is, <laughs> nice. it is
1: pretty fun though, I will say. It's hard and it gives you a headache, but yeah. it's worth it when you win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: um, This was a really fun nostalgia trip though, you know, like yeah. I'm glad to have played it. Um, you know, there's not a lot to do in the game. You, once you kind of get past the Elite Four thing. <laughs> and you, you can
1: take 37 you know, pictures of your sentry. Yeah, there's
0: this weird photo mode that is just, <laughs> oh like, why would you ever want to do it? I don't
1: know. So we were, like, after we'd done our, like, battles and we were playing around in the game, we were just looking at all the modes and, like, looking at the menu, which was fun because you went around that little map. Like, it's cute. There's a photo mode, which, like, was really weirdly popular in, like, early 2000s, like, late 90s games. And... You, like, pick a Pokemon, which I guess, like, maybe it's cuter if you've, like, imported your Pokemon from the game sure. and you are really like, got a connection And to them. there's
0: nothing wrong with wanting to take a picture of your Pokemon. No. It's how it's implemented in this game.
1: So, yeah, you pick, you go through a list of Pokemon, you pick who you want to take a picture of, and then you go to, like, this, like, photo mode, and you have, like, 36 photos you can take. But they just sort of stand there and do, like, one slight animation like why would you ever need 36 (laughs) photos (laughs) and just something about it was so funny like what a gross overestimation of like how many photos you'd realistically take and we were just like like howling laughing and this like oh what do you think of this picture of (laughs) Charmeleon think it's good okay what about this one
0: (laughs) he's like the same just like slightly moved
1: um and then you like go in the gallery and you can like look at them all like it's just a cute little bonus feature that like I'm sure wasn't too difficult to implement and like whoever is enjoying it that's great but like yeah, I, I did not remember that was in the game at all. <laughs> I don't think
0: we ever use it in the game. No. The other thing that was in the game that I didn't know was once I beat the Elite Four, and I don't I guess maybe we either didn't do that or we just forgot. But like you mm-hmm. actually, I unlocked like a Hitmonchan that I think I could have imported into a my Game Boy if I was to connect it, um, like back in the day. So that's actually pretty cool that they had like a mystery mm-hmm. gift thing attached to it.
1: Yeah, so overall impression, I would say I think the game's pretty fun to like have a night or two of it. Like, mm-hmm. it's fun doing the battles, especially back with like the Gen 1 jank that, you know, has yeah, been... Yeah, those weird
0: mechanics and...
1: Yeah, it's been gone for so long and like, it's cool seeing the Pokemon, it's nostalgic. Like, yeah, the games kind of suck aside from Run, Radata, Run, which is great um but like yeah you can play them for 20 minutes then kind of be good Mm -hmm. but i'd say it's a really fun nostalgia trip um that i would recommend to go back and play if you had it as a kid or if you were like you know maybe got into pokemon a little bit later and never experienced it Mm -hmm. so this is like a cool like way to go back and and see some like pokemon history
0: i think if you played it as a kid you have to go back and play it yeah because you'll be impressed with like how well Well, at least Mm -hmm. for us. I guess we had a similar... I'm just judging it because we had the same experience with (laughs) that. So I don't know.
1: Um, I will say as a caveat, though, you better... You cannot play this with one Joy-Con. You have to have (laughs) like both Joy-Cons or a pro controller. Because we thought we'd play like four player minigames and then found out um, to our disappointment that that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Even though
0: all of them take only one or two buttons at most.
1: Yeah, exactly. So So, so just be aware of that because that led to some disappointment. Get your buddies to bring over uh Bring some extra cons. controllers <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> um but yeah otherwise man play some pokemon and look how fucking creepy and big Lickitung's tongue is <laughs> everyone right. um and you know there we go <laughs> there we go
0: <laughs> all right and with that i think that brings us right to our favorite part of the show it's listener mail everybody um and if you want to be cool just like our uh our submission today from jonah you can send a mail yourself to cloudcontrolpod at proton.me um, or get in touch with us on Twitter, as we always say. We have links all over the place. Um, but we appreciate everyone that writes in with questions because you know, you never know what we're gonna get out of the mailbag and what mm-hmm. we might get to talk about.
1: Yeah, so our question today, as is up on screen for anyone watching. It's really is, small for Katie. Oh man, it's really small <laughs> for me though. <laughs> oh god, it's a good thing I'm wearing my glasses. Um What are some of your most memorable quotes from a video game? Which is delightful because there are some cool lines from games and there are definitely some I just use in my day-to-day life that like I don't even think about the game anymore (laughs) because they're just like... You know, like things so, you, say. you know, the
0: first thing that came to my head from this and I don't really say I don't like I don't know the context But isn't like people when they yell like Leroy Jenkins <laughs> isn't that from the game, right? That's like wow uh, it's,
1: Yeah, like I think that's from someone playing like it's a famous clip mm. of someone playing wow I don't think it's not an actual quote from the game, but you know what? This is worded in a way where I think that that's not how I yeah, interpret it, I mean, but it's totally I mean, valid. I just and came to like, my head Yeah, right and that. Leroy Jenkins is definitely like, that's a legacy that extends way past wow at this point. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, considering I know that you're probably almost, I mean, almost for sure you're going to have one from God of War because we both talk about that all the time. Mm hmm. I think for me, if we're talking about God of War, it's got to be the don't be sorry, be better, or don't be good, be better, whatever it is. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. Yeah, it's Kratos. It is don't be sorry, be yeah, better. I love that is That is one quote. of the first things I thought of. That is something I do say it in my day-to-day life. I was having, like, my friend and I had, we had, like, a, di- a disagreement <laughs> the other day, and, like, <laughs> genuinely, like... He was like apologizing for something and it was like fine. It was more of like a misunderstanding. And you know, that happens in your relationships and you talk it through and it's a very healthy, good thing to do. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, well, you know what we've learned today? Don't be sorry. Be better. (laughs) He was like, is that God of War? I'm like, yes. (laughs) That's
0: awesome.
1: Yes, it is.
0: (laughs) That game is just so quotable though. Like You can look it up and have so many
1: um yeah I think that's good so I'm glad you said that one because I had two that I was considering and I think that's the one that sticks with me more Mm -hmm. but I'll never ever forget Brock in Ragnarok and he says the nature of a thing is more important than the form of a thing Mm -hmm. and I think that is beautiful both in terms of just how you could apply that to things in your real life and also like the scene that that comes from is such an emotional memorable scene mm. in the game but mm-hmm. i think like brock is is very poetic at times so
0: rock is poetic i mm-hmm. i mean yeah what a what a good pick i mm-hmm. think uh, <laughs> so for me i i was thinking back to some of my favorite characters and it's funny because i drank coffee from my Goto phoenix wright mm-hmm. mug this morning and you know i gotta admit like it's not like i remember the quotes from this guy like when i'm when i'm thinking about that game or anything But I just always remember him like slinging these these, like one liners across the bench, you know, (laughs) like when he's looking over at Phoenix and like it's kind of that noir kind of feeling to him, you know. And, you know, I've got a list of them up here and I actually am just going to read the first one because I think it's actually pretty cool. It's Justice is blind, but she's not deaf. Sometimes you just have to know when not to talk. And I -hmm. I like that quote. Like, that's cool. That is
1: cool. That's probably, like, one of his ones that makes more sense. Sometimes he just (laughs) says, like, kind of, like, vague weird things and is like, ah, for my dark blend. Well,
0: another one of his quotes is, a boy only gets one chance in his life to become a man. So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What does that mean?
0: Men are like colonies of bacteria. The more heat you apply, the faster they grow. <laughs> like, what does that mean? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Things go <going> down. <laughs> that first one is looking really good in comparison now. Um, that's awesome. Um, yeah, what else you got? I've got one actually from Undertale that I think is a really good quote. Um, and it kind of comes, it comes at the end of the game. So you make it through. And I, you don't want to spoil the game because it's definitely one of those, like, you got to experience it. But it's um, a lot of it's questioning, like, you know, it's got the, like, do you do pacifist or like whatever. And it's questioning your, like, humanity a lot of the time as you go through. And you kind of are going through various trials. And you get to the end of the game and it's actually not like a line of dialogue, but it's a mirror in a house. And if you, like, clicked interact with the mirror, you can see your character in it. Mm. You see the character in the mirror. And then it says, despite everything, it's still you. Mm. And, like, that is, like, that's also, yeah. like, make you cry so, kind of line. You don't expect yeah. it. Like, you're just you just in the house. Like, you know, you press on the fridge and, like, there's, like, oh, there's this pie in here. And it's just kind of funny, silly stuff. You get to the mirror and you're like, oh... Okay, I'm going to just pause for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and like...
0: You know, that's, that's yeah. really interesting that you bring that up because the last game that came to my mind and the, what, my real answer for this, like what mm-hmm. I really want to say, is, is actually Eastward, a game that mm-hmm. I want to talk about on the show hopefully next time when I finish it. But this game is, is, is really cool and it gets compared a lot of the time to Earthbound and by association Undertale. Right. By the way that it tells some of its story. And one thing that I love about the game, in fact, probably my favorite thing about the game, is that when you save, you save. You go to the fridge and you save. Like on Earthbound, you call, you call on the phone and you right. save by calling. In this game, you save by going to the fridge and like you open the fridge. And who knows what you do, Right, you're but like, it saves the game. God,
1: I hope there's a good snack in here. <laughs> yeah, but,
0: but the fridge will always, um, when you interact to save, it will always give you a quote. And it's always something like really insightful about life. Like you're saying with mm-hmm. that mirror. And I wish that I could find a quote. I just tried to Google them like before we started the podcast. And for some reason, I cannot find them. I'm shocked mm-hmm. that there's not a list of these because they are prophetic. Some of these things that it says. And I want to like make a list of these for the internet. If it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. But like, some one of my favorite ones, it was saying like, um, think of your mind as a cobweb and how sometimes pieces of dust drift through and that's how your memories are forgotten. Wow. Stuff like that. And I was just like sitting there like, whoa, that is so cool. Like, it's obviously wow. put better than I'm saying it there. Yeah. But like that kind of idea or like, you know, sometimes it'll be things like, you know, you reach into the fridge and you can't remember where you put something. But did that really happen at all? Wow. wasn't ever really there like it that has just really... these things and it's almost like you sit there and think about your life for a second yeah, when you save the game in eastburg It's very
1: philosophical and, and thought-provoking yeah and
0: every save station has a different quote so when you go to a save station you'll get something new
1: mm-hmm. i love it that is cool i think that would be like that's like Loki, a highlight like that makes me want to play the game more than Mm. any other thing i know about eastward
0: it's it's a gem for that reason for sure but it's just like i don't know where that would have come from like they clearly have someone on the Mm -hmm. design team there that's like got these wicked quotes yeah
1: it's like if fortune cookies were really good (laughs) exactly that's exactly what it is yeah that's awesome um yeah, that was your big one. That was my big one. Do you have any more?
0: No, I'm good. I mean, I, okay. I honestly wish I could think of more, but I just can't.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like they just kind of come. There, to there's you, classic right? ones, like,
0: like, obviously. The "Would you kindly?" from Bioshock yeah. is like such a classic yeah that kind of thing i
1: put down from bioshock a man chooses a slave obeys because Mm. i think to me of the lines from bioshock that's a more powerful Mm. one but like obviously well the would you kindly
0: is powerful and when you're playing the game and you see how it works but that's Mm -hmm. not going to stick with you
1: yeah exactly but the moment of like a man chooses a slave Mm. obeys," like oh shit (laughs) you played bioshock um yeah those are good i have okay i've got a couple like soft ones to close mm-hmm. this out because obviously mm-hmm. like you know that's that's where I went so I've got one from um Sekiro one from Bloodborne and then I'll finish this out with an Elden Ring perhaps mm-hmm. so the Sekiro one is the cool is like a cool badass line so you fight Genichiro he's a cool boss
0: he beat he, the shit out of me a few he times he is on
1: top of that tower he's no joke um but Sekiro doesn't talk a whole lot in that game like he's not a purely silent protagonist, but like, he's quiet. But he walks up there and like, there's a conflict going on. He's like, you got Kuro with you, the kid you're protecting. And he goes to like, you know, they're kind of in the, in the process of having a conversation. Like, there's some threats going on, and like, this boss is gonna kick your ass. But Zakira walks up there, and he's like, This will only take a moment. And like, <laughs> just think, and he like, kind of yeah. unsheaths his oh sword at that moment. It's like, The confidence, like, do you know how many times we're gonna die to this guy? Like, do not be that confident. <laughs> yeah,
0: the first time you run, you say that, and you get flattened, and yeah. just like you're dead. But then
1: the time you do beat him, you're like, This will only take a moment. And then every other boss fight you go up to after that, I, in my head, I'm like, "This will only take a moment," <laughs> so that's the most badass line. Um, my actual favorite From Software line, and the one I think about in my day-to-day life, is from my favorite From Software character. And actually, I'll let you take a guess. Who do you think that is? Oh God! It's Bloodborne. Oh, uh, my favorite character in it's any uh, From Software. Oh, line. I know it's the crow. No, but she's very. Oh, cool. it's Father Gascoigne. Oh, he's very cool too. But I'm no, out. Then I It's don't the know. doll. Oh, okay the doll yeah. is by far my favorite promsoft character and what she says to you everything she says is phenomenal oh, that's but at, a
0: great pick actually her she has some good lines
1: but at the very end whenever you leave her whenever you end in a conversation she says to you may you find your worth in the waking world mm. and like something about that just like it i find it very inspiring like mm. you know is that whole like you know like stuff doesn't come to you like you go step out you find your own worth like And obviously it works in the context of the game, but I don't know. I sometimes say it to myself when I leave the the house in the morning, you know? Like, Mm. go find your birth in the waking world, and off you go, and hopefully it's not in Bloodborne (laughs) because uh, (laughs) that's a tough one. Wow.
0: That's an awesome pick. You have one more, right, you say? I do
1: have one more, and I just think this is a good thing to close the episode out on because it's just, like, over-the-top and hilariously badass. And so this is an Elden Ring, the first kind of, like, main boss you get up to. Is um from your friend Margaret the fell? <laughs> oh God! And Margaret had some dope lines in the trailer, but you get up there, you go to do the fight, and he says to you, and the voice actor like nails it. Like he's got such a good like, I if I could even do like one percent as good of a <laughs> it's not possible a rendition of this. But he says to you, he's like foul tarnished in search of the Elden Ring, emboldened by the flame of ambition. Someone must extinguish thy flame, let it be Margaret the Fell. And then he fights you. And then throughout the fight, he keeps taunting. He's like, put these foolish ambitions to rest. And it is just like the coolest, most cinematic shit as you're mm. fighting this boss. And like the orchestral music is swelling and going nuts. And this guy is like, foolish, tarnished. <laughs> and you're like, Ahh. It's like
0: the character, for whatever reason, I just do the same, like, foolish girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just say that for no reason.
1: And you're like, you're not supposed to talk to me while we're fighting. And he doesn't care. It's awesome. So... Well, there you have it. Margaret <laughs> is that's the number out.
0: one. I think I personally prefer that uh, the doll quote. Oh, myself, uh, but, yeah.
1: I prefer the doll too. I just think Margaret's <laughs> like, you know, it's just cool. <laughs> there you
0: go. Everyone, you can let us know in the comments on YouTube what your favorite gaming quotes are because, you know, there's just so many good ones and we don't have the time to talk about all of them here. So you can let us know. Um, but yeah, as always, I think that's going to do us for the episode. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us. Like Kate mentioned, we're only two episodes away from our top 25 list. It'll be fun. Uh, We'll also be inducting two games into the Ring of Honor, or whatever we want to call it. We'll workshop that before the episode. That'll be fun, too. Uh, But as always, this has been Cloud Control, the gaming podcast. It's not just good. It's good enough. We'll see you on the next episode.